everybody. It is that time of the week again, although a new night of the week for the Two Buck Sports Podcast. I am your co-host, Rusty Buckets, coming into you Thursday night, a day late, later time, because my co-host, Uncle Buck over here, has decided to have a social life, I guess, and so now uh, we have to record on Thursday nights. Uncle Buck, welcome to the podcast, sir. Rusty, I just want to take a minute and thank uh, you and every, all of our listeners for being patient with us. Uh, you will be getting this on Friday again this week. Uh, I think that works out okay. You know, I think there's definitely pluses and minuses to both nights. But uh, my family and I, just uh, my kids have been going to church in Ripley on Wednesday nights. And my wife and I made the decision that we should start going with them. So that's the reason for the schedule change. I feel like it's as good of a reason as I can give you. <laughs> as good of an excuse as I can give you. Uh, but I do appreciate everybody. Uh, I hope I hope everybody did not just have a you know hour and a half slot on Thursdays is their only availability for a podcast. You know that's the thing yeah. about podcasts is that they're on demand. You listen to them whenever you want to. I hope that you know all of our listeners could only fit us in at for an hour and a half on Thursdays because if so, by the time you listen to it. Uh, it's probably going to be pretty dated. <laughs> That's it. You're going to be a little bit behind. And so we do owe a special shout out to Cousin Kirk, friend of the podcast, faithful listener. Last night, immediately, I don't think he'd seen it, like immediate, immediately after I posted on Instagram that we were going to be recording on Thursday nights, Drew, it had to have been 10 minutes. And he texted yeah. and he was like, podcast night, let's go. And I was like, mm, Drew, Drew, you, you know, want to tell him? <laughs> you know, part of me knowing Kirk, makes me think that he saw it mm-hmm. and was just going to like stick the knife in like and that's what he did yeah <laughs> so. because exactly his exact words were I'm more excited than a meth head finding a spool of copper wire so if you're from <laughs> north mississippi you know what that's all about <laughs> so shout out cousin kurt we do owe you an apology i said you're going to tell him drew and his response was did y'all break up and i said no nah, we're just no. seeing other people <laughs> yeah no uh well see the thing about kirk is it makes me not feel as sympathetic is that he is a highway patroller that cruises the the highways and byways uh, for eight to ten hours a day, and so I know of all of our listeners, Kirk's got time, so I mean, yeah, he, he'll so, be okay. Yeah. So when you listen to this, Kirk, you make sure you share it and tell everybody how wonderful this podcast is. Yeah, yeah. Or else I'm not getting you a Christmas gift. That's yeah. But yeah, we I did get several messages about it all on Instagram, so I appreciate our our, our listeners being uh, aware of it. And you know, I, I Drew, I've I've been watching our analytics on our RSS feed, and we do get progressive downloads throughout the weekend, so I don't think it's going to mess anything. And we owe a quick shout out to Canada because we're, we're in Canada now. They hey. are. We've been downloaded 133 times in Canada. I think we need to start yeah. talking about hockey. I mean, apparently, or curling. I can get, really get into curling. Yeah, because uh, I had a patient one time. I've shared this story. He said, like, how Americans drink beer in bowl. They drink beer in curl in Canada. I'm like, bro, I'm all for that. Let's go. The only thing more dangerous than drinking and bowling is drinking and curling. That's it. <laughs> I mean, not to bring up very sore subjects, uh, bowling and ice skating. I mean, uh, drinking and ice skating will be really bad because mm-hmm. uh, rest in peace to the, the English hockey player. Uh, Holy smokes. You're talking about never wanting to get on skates ever again. That mm-hmm. that'll do. You, did you see the video? Yes, I Ooh, I'm a I uh, sadist. Uh, I did mm-hmm. get on Twitter because if you can find, if you want to see a video of anything, get on Twitter. Yeah. Um, I'm not a hockey player. I've I've only ice skated one time, but in my professional opinion, that looked intentional. 
<laughs> yeah, that, they have an unwritten totally rule in hockey. Sweet chin music. I said he pulled a heartbreak kid on him, and there's an unwritten rule in hockey that your skates don't leave the ice because of that very reason. Of course, of course. And it should be written. I mean, <laughs> it yeah. should be a written rule. Yeah. As a PT, I'm like you. I'm a glutton for punishment, and I'm going to watch the gnarly injury videos. Yeah. And I watched that and was immediately like, "This is a bad idea." Yeah, yeah. Recipes. I mean, I don't really, yeah. really, I don't, don't make, light, make of light of that at no. all. But you, we just got to thinking about dangerous things you could do, and ice yeah. skating because of the recency of that injury it was the first thing that popped in my mind. Because yeah, I would lose a limb at best if yeah. I ice skated while yeah. inebriated. Oof. Yeah, I'll tell you what, uh, that's a good band name. Ice skated while inebriated. <laughs> inebriated. Uh, what's the Andy Dwyer say? Uh, new band name called it. <laughs> yeah. Two skin, four skin, five skin. <laughs> Scarecrow boat. Uh, Scarecrow, Scarecrow robot. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite things to go back and look at from Parks and Rec is him mm-hmm. going through all of his uh, all of his uh, band, band names. names. I don't have pendulum, it here. Penis pendulum. <laughs> <laughs> on my water bottle, I've got two Parks and Rec stickers. One of them is my 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 favorite Ron Swanson quote that I live my life by. And Mama, close your ears. But it's never half-ass two things. We're gonna whole-ass one thing. And then I've got uh, Andy Dwyer saying new band name called it because that's one of my favorite bits of Parks and Rec is these random things that people will say and he'll say, ooh, new band name called it. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's uh, the first saying is like a life motto. It's one of those things. It's a Ron Swanson quote. I feel like it's a quote that my dad would have told me when I was a kid because he always threw in, uh, you know, with his sayings always comes a four letter word or in this case, a three letter word. Right. And so, yeah, that's uh. That's a really good one. That, that's yeah. one to live by. I'm gonna you know? I'm gonna paint that on the wall. You know, you see these people yeah. get these stickers mural. like "Always Kiss Me Goodnight" or these Bible verses. Mine's yeah. gonna say that on the yeah. wall. <laughs> a family that laughs together lives together or whatever. Hundred you know? percent. Yeah. yeah, live, laugh, love or live, yeah. laugh, love, whatever it is <laughs> yeah. that all these white women have on their walls. Yeah. But um, Drew, I know we both had a couple weeks, man. But uh, tell me what was the highlight of your week? What was the best party week? You got anything? Yeah, I actually got two things. I'm gonna switch it up. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I got to take my kids, uh, my older two, uh, we left the baby at home, uh, because, uh, the four of us, my wife and Braxton and Chloe, uh, all went to the Ole Miss game on Saturday. Uh, it's a night game against Vanderbilt. Tickets were readily available. Uh, there's this guy and I think he does a great thing. Uh, I think every fan base needs to have a guy like this. So tickets at Ole Miss are in high demand right now. They're expensive. They're an awesome ticket to have, especially for SEC games. Uh, ticket prices are going through the roof. The The game day experience is great. We've talked about it on this podcast, and I'll go into further examples in a minute. But uh, they were playing Vanderbilt. And so the tried and true fans, you know, this is one of those honeydew days. You know, okay, honey, I'll give you this Saturday. We're playing Vanderbilt, you know. I saw this funny video. It made me think about it. It's uh, this guy who's all his wife is always on him about all we do is watch football. All we do is watch football. And so he goes up to her and he says, honey, I know you tell me all the time that all we do is watch football. So I just wanted to tell you right now, I've been feeling convicted about it, but I'm going to give up Wednesday night football for you. <laughs> we'll watch whatever movie you want to watch. <laughs> so, I've seen that. Uh, That's funny. Yeah. And, uh, and she's like, really? <laughs> yeah. Huh? And so that's what, uh, we went to, uh, Ole Miss and uh, watched the Vanderbilt game. But this guy, how I got off on this YouTube video, it's all beyond me. But uh, this guy takes all the – if you are not going to your game to do your honeydew list or whatever, 
Uh, he just says, send me your tickets and I'll find people who don't have tickets or can't afford to go or haven't been able to take their kids to a game before. And so I just messaged him. His name's Kenny Carson. I think you know him, Rusty. Um, used to run the dinner bell in Corinth. Yeah, and he uh, always he table. always had the uh, those paintings and pictures of the SEC stadiums and moments and whatnot. And my granddad, I'd hate to know how much my family, especially my granddad, spent on Alabama Daniel Moore paintings at the dinner bell. Yeah, and so uh, I texted Kenny and I was like, "Hey, I'm trying to take my kids to their first game. We, you know, don't have tickets. So I'll buy some, but I thought I'd check with you first. He just said, "How many you want?" And I said, four. Sent them to me. They were on the 50 yard line. Just free tickets. And we, yeah, 18 rows up. It was great. Best seats I've ever had. And uh, so we get there. It was an incredible time. It was uh, the game itself, obviously. We'll get into the game later. But it left, a, you know, it wasn't a nail biter by any means. There was no drama to it at all. But I can say as a fan that's heard about how the game day experience has changed at Ole Miss, especially at night, I can now attest to that. Mm-hmm. It's a light shows every break. It's it's hype music. There's no sweet it's Caroline. A party. It's yeah, a party. It it truly is, and uh, it was homecoming. You could tell after halftime, it was twenty six to nothing. Everybody kind of cleared out, especially the students. It it kind of got boring, but it wasn't for lack of effort. I mean, there was still light shows throughout. There was coordinated music where they you know dropped the lights and everybody h- held their phone light up, and it it points it really felt like a concert it was an experience to be at and it was so nice to have the kids there uh to let them take it in we got on the jumbotron oh Uh, that's awesome it was so funny like we were standing there and chloe was up dancing in her cheerleading outfit with her powder blue pom-poms and whatnot and and somebody slapped me they're like chloe's on jumbotron and i look up and i see chloe and i see the people around me and for some reason, it took me like five seconds to realize there I am right in the middle of it. And you look so like a doofus. <laughs> naturally, I just hit the truffle shuffle for everybody. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Because <laughs> what else would you hit, man? I well don't know done. why it's my panic move, but it is. I've done the same thing at, on the Jumbotron. Uh, Haley and I, when we were freshly married, uh, we hadn't even gotten the kids yet. So, I mean, it was early on in the baseball season right after we got married. Yeah. Went to a game, Valentine's Day weekend, actually, huh. and uh, put us up wife, on man. the Jumbotron. We were the only two in like the far section at the, on the top row, and I just had my arm around her. We were just lounging, watching baseball. Put us on the Jumbotron, and here I go, trouble show. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I'm married to Gooden. <laughs> yeah, and of course, she laughed, and that's how I knew I made a good decision. That's right. <laughs> you know, uh, There's many so, other reasons, yeah. but shout out to Haley. And so – uh. Chloe just it made her whole week, you know, being able to get on the on the big screen. She kept on saying, I got on the big screen, you know. Uh, part two, uh, I can I've got proof of this. It popped in my head because I reached in my pocket. Halloween. Let's go. Yeah, the t- the candy tax. Any candy that I've taken away from my one and a half year old because she runs a ha- runs around the house with candy in the wrapper in her mouth. So I confiscate it and stick it in my pocket. And just random times during the day, I reach down in my pocket and I've got a blow pop or a, you know, <laughs> Butterfinger. I'm not eating a Tootsie Roll. But Ooh, I like Tootsie Rolls, man. Tootsie Rolls are garbage, Rusty. You're garbage. No. It's like if Tootsie Rolls are the mayonnaise of Halloween candy. <laughs> oh, wow. What a yeah. statement. 
Yeah, I stand by it 100%. <laughs> I used to eat Tootsie Rolls all the time with the car at the Christmas parade because that was like the only thing people would throw out was Tootsie Rolls and, and blow pops. But yeah, listen, man, Halloween, it's a great, great excuse to have a best. Um, for me, it was Halloween also. Drew, I don't know if I sent you this picture or not. I think I will. Um, if I haven't yet, I'll send you the picture. But my best for the week was Halloween as well. Normally here at Benchmark in Myrtle Beach, we all go all out for Halloween. Each clinic has yeah. a theme. We didn't really do that this year, but I did. And if you saw my Instagram, I was, as my t-shirt shows, the Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was carrying a box of Slim Jams. I had these wild 80s jogger britches on. I had on a, a like a mullet wig, the big glasses. Uh, I took a picture of me holding some coffee cream with the cream rises to the top. <laughs> you know, love some Macho Man, man. So, But the best part about that was I spent about three hours in a Starbucks on meetings and doing some analytics and stuff I needed to do. And I was the only fool dressed up in Starbucks. <laughs> and so the looks on these people's faces, yeah. they'd walk in, look around, look at me and do a double take. And is, like, that what is, damage? Is, that, is that the macho man? <laughs> Little do they know he died a few years ago, as we yeah. discussed all fair. Yep. But the yep. best thing, I got to send you this picture because I don't think I did. But I had a very professional meeting with my boss and my teammates, like um, kind of my yeah. level and above. And so I took a picture of it. Because it was one of these was not like the other. Because there's my boss in a quarter zip, very professional. There's all these dress shirts and these ladies in these nice like work attire. <laughs> and then there's me with a mullet wig, a headband, the pit viper sunglasses. Yeah, great. Just like full on like macho man mode in the professional meeting. <laughs> What's your favorite Halloween costume that you've ever worn personally? Like you have worn. So the macho man was pretty good this year. I got two others, um, and they've all kind of been in my adult life, I guess. Uh -huh. um, yeah, I don't remember dressing up much as a kid. Like, I was always a Power Ranger or a Ninja Turtle as a kid. Right. Like, those are cool. But, Unreal. like, in 2019, at one of our clinics, we did the Benchmark Grand Dune Tourists. And I wore jorts, Crocs, and socks. I painted my nose wide. I had a bucket hat and a big camera with a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, my coworkers, one of them had both of them had fanny packs. One of them had a selfie stick and a camera. Like we went all out to look like tourists, and our patients loved it. We made a newspaper. Like we were all over the place. It was awesome. Um, and then in uh, been like 2017 was the last time I shaved my beard, and I wore mm. a little Jerry curl, like little little wig, and I was AC Slater from Saved by the Bell, which was another really really good one. We knew each other in 17, didn't we? Where was yeah, this? That was it. Was this in Corinth? It was in Corinth. It was one of my ex's Halloween parties. Oh, um, okay. And I was AC Slater. I shaved the beard, had the curly wig, had the like the tight sleeve shirt rolled up. With uh, it's the only time in my life I've ever wore Converse, and I was AC oh, Slater. Yeah, not they're not comfortable. No. Uh, one year, uh, two of them that stick out for me, and I've never been a big Halloween guy, and it's not because I don't like dressing up. Just that I don't really have the parties to go to, you know. Mm -hmm. um, me and Haley went as grandparents one mm -hmm. year. And oh, again, all of our stories go back to shaving. Mm -hmm. I shaved just a mustache. And the best part about going as grandparents was that we both just went to Walmart and bought yeah. robes. Yeah. And we just oh, wore yeah. robes and tall socks and slippers. Yeah. It was the most comfortable I've ever been in a party in my life. <laughs> I imagine. Which maybe remember... My other one was I went as Ron Swanson one year. You remember yeah. that? I shaved the mustache. Uh -huh. I had I drank scotch all night. I had a little like stick horse, uh, little, uh -huh. Sebastian. little Sebastian. I sent I sent you a picture, and then I sent uh -huh. my brother and our, my cousin in a in a group chat, and I said Ron Swanson or not in, allowed within 500 yards of a school zone. 
<laughs> yeah, that was unanimous. Unanimously, uh, uh, Ron Swanson. Yeah. The other one I went to in college when we were a little wilder, because uh, I've we've we've all tamed down a little bit in our old age. Uh, I went as a drunk uncle. Uh, <laughs> drunk uncle. <laughs> yeah, and it was like the easiest costume I could come up with at the time. There was a big party at a friend's house, and I uh, basically just wore everything I normally wear, except I got one of those hats with the mullet in the back, and that's mm. that was my costume. <laughs> That's incredible. And I proceeded to act like a drunk uncle. Yeah. So I was going to ask you if you got a beef. Our, our, both of ours might be the same. Um, with the belly after, aches after Halloween. Or the. Because I eat I was, candy nonstop. <laughs> there's that. I was thinking more about our Memphis Grizzlies that we're going to get into here in a minute. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, I think it's just time that we, we just say they suck. <laughs> so listen, uh, well, like. You got any other uh, you, your beef? No, maybe, well, well, this is we'll my, go right this into is our it. Beef. Yeah. All right. So it. I got last night during the game, I got a series of text messages from people. I wanted to read these because oh, I want like I got one that just said, "Bruh." Uh-huh. I got one that said, "It's only 4.25 games. It's only 4.25 games. It's only 4.25 games." I got one that said, "Okay, I'm starting to panic." <laughs> that was me. <laughs> that was you. I got another one that said. Is it time to panic? Question mark. Yeah. And then my favorite was from you as well. At some point, these teams are shooting career nights from three because of us. Yeah. And <laughs> the uh, <Grizzlies> are bad. <laughs> what's funny is the when the guy, whoever it was, that said it's only four point two five games. Mm-hmm. That means he takes you that after the first quarter. Uh, shout out Mike Thomas. Yeah, which ended uh with the Grizzlies being down forty two to nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. the Utah Jazz, dude, the, and yeah. they were also bad. Like they have Jordan Clarkson. That's how bad they are. Yeah. Now, um, and then, and then I will say the the other one. You made a very valid point. The fact that Vince Williams, Jacob Gallard, and Fat Lofton are all getting first half minutes. God bless the Memphis yeah. Grizzlies. Soon, man. soon as uh, look, soon you ready? As, uh, yeah. Gilliard already. Yeah. As soon as Gilliard went into the game, I was like, all right, that's a wrap. You know, you and it sucks that it's just started the season this way. It started with the Stephen Adams kick to the groin, and then the Santi Aldama kick to the groin, and, and then, then Derrick Rose has been bad, and, and then Luke now Kennard's he's brain our, is broken. Yeah, and Luke Kennard is one. For, he's like one for twenty-five to start the season. You know, like it's just been a terrible. The the stats. I don't know if you looked at them. It's not sustainable, and uh-huh. that's the only kind of hope that I have. That's why is I'm not that, panicking. Is that the Grizzlies' uh, shot quality, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the shot quality a lot last year. I meant to write these numbers down, but I didn't. But the crux of it is, is the Grizzlies ended up losing by what? 25? Yeah, 133 to 109. 133 to 109. 24, 24 points. Mm-hmm. Shot quality had that as a 12-point win for the Grizzlies. <laughs> and... Shot quality had the Mavericks game, the other game that the mm-hmm. Grizzlies lost, uh, game number four, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, had that as a Grizzlies win. And that would and hurt so, because we had opportunities to win that game, and then you nailed it. You texted me and said, Luca's about to drive a dagger, isn't he? And then yeah. they made that bogus call where Luca had two hands, and we had three hands on the ball. And yeah. they gave him a timeout, and then immediately after the timeout, he buries a three, and at that point, like that, that became insurmountable. Luca's going to be Luca. So with the uh, since we last saw, we talked last Thursday. 
that was after the Nuggets game, I guess. So since then, we had a loss against Washington at home. That's the only one that's, that's inexcusable. I mean, so Washington bad. on the road, that was the one that's so inexcusable. Bad. That team is not good. So and they beat us probably more soundly than any other team that's beaten yeah. us so far, yeah. including the defending champions. Shout out Stones Jones. Yeah. Um, and then Dallas. So the Dallas game, we did what we did best, and we got down early. Uh, much like the Nuggets game, they fought back and they got it to within one, or if not, no, they took the lead by one. I believe mm-hmm. no, they no, they never. No, we never uh, had a lead, the, but we got within uh, like one or two. Yeah, and then Luca just does what Luca. I mean, it uh, was a it was the first, and it, what's turned into back to back games now to where teams are just shooting the cover off the ball from three against us, and that's all they're shooting. Yeah. Uh, Luca went nuclear, uh, hitting step backs, hit, I mean, hitting sidestep three, just right. anything Luca wanted to do. He showed that the reason why he's a perennial MVP favorite or front runner or, you know, top three in MVP voting, uh, he just dominated us. And it, he did what great players do is he put his team on his back when it mattered the most. And it's where you miss Ja Morant the most, the guy that can stop runs or, or when all else fails, just get to the rim and get fouled or get to the rim and, and one or, mm-hmm. you know, drive and dish, whatever you've got to do. Uh, you want guys like Ja Morant or Luka Doncic or Giannis. I mean, there's only a handful of guys in the league that have got that kind of ability to right. to put a team on their back. And that's where you really miss him in those instances. Um, and then you get to last night, and they played at Utah, and they it got out of control early. Utah at the half was shooting over 50% from three uh, with like 14 or 16 made threes at the half. Uh, they were shooting over 70% at the end of the first quarter. Yeah. And, I mean, it was everybody. At one point, they said Kelly Olenek and uh, – uh, no. Um, Kel- yeah, it was Kelly Olenek and Jordan uh, – Jordan Clarkson last night. Jordan Clarkson and the the Finnish oh, guy. Uh, Hart, uh, Mark uh, – uh, I'm going to butcher it. Uh, Markkinen. Laura Markkinen. Laura Markkinen, thank you. We're all 100% from three yeah. at some point during the second quarter. Like It was just yeah. stupid. And never fear, though, because our boy Bismack Biombo is coming to save savior. The savior, the rim protector. He ain't going to help us offensively a lick outside of a few no. offensive rebounds here and there. But good luck getting a shot off in the paint with him and Jaron Jackson Jr. in the game. Speaking of, man, like Tripp is back to his – old ways he's not aggressive he's being very passive and part of it we're not really scheming for him like he were we're waiting too long how many times has he had single digits or even zero points at halftime of a game um so far this year why are we not getting him involved in the first like two or three minutes of the game because he's not getting in a rhythm there's been multiple times this year where again he's had less than eight points at halftime and he's like an all world type talent and there's absolutely no reason for him to have eight points at halftime of a game that we desperately need him like you said earlier no john morant no steven adams no santi aldama luke Kennard's brain is broken like there's nothing that we need more than jaron jackson jr to take over and dominate and we've talked about this before it feels like a mark gasol situation where like you want him to take over a game and when he does it's incredible we're just not getting that this year. So far in 2023, we haven't gotten that. Yeah, I'm not worried about Jaron. Um, 
for several reasons, but his shots are going in. Uh, he's he's shooting a fair percentage from the field. He's staying out of foul trouble. He's being an anchor on your defense still. Yeah. But we know what Jaron is. If there's a reason to concern, to be concerned, we know what Jaron is when he's not playing behind, beside a big rim protect, a, a big lug in the middle like Stephen mm-hmm. Adams, especially offensively. Um, and it could not have had a worse start to the season matchup wise for Jaron right. with having games against big lugs like Walker Kessler last night, and with Jokic in game two and Zion, Zion in game one where you've he can't he hasn't figured out how to be a five and i love tillman but he's not they don't play well together he needs somebody that's more of an anchor on offense to really allow him to spread the floor and to to eat up the lane without having being guarded by a five in the paint you know yeah, and you're you're absolutely right. Like he's like I love X. We were talking about this last night. Like he he's shooting a lot of threes right now, and you said rightfully so they're open, but they're open for a reason. Like X is not the guy you want, you know, shooting threes all night long. Well, you and, go back and think about the playoffs when we played against the Lakers in the first round, and this is a scheme. You know, the other teams have coaches too, and so when you've got guys like. Bain and Luke Kennard and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. on offense, the other team zeroes in on them. And so sure. those open looks from Xavier Tillman or um, Zaire Williams, they're open for a reason, and that's because that's the shot that the other yeah. team wants us to take. Right. The difference in the reason why I brought it back to the Lakers series last year it's because that's what we did to the Lakers. We mm-hmm. dared Rui Hachimura to take mm-hmm. shots. And what did Rui Hachimura do? He looked like freaking Michael Jordan out there. He couldn't miss. He made them. God. And when when uh, Ole Miss, when uh, the Grizzlies won games in the playoffs last year, it's because Xavier Tillman made his shots. They're open. They're going to be open. They're open for a reason because every shot he takes, Desmond Bain is not taking. And yeah, Jared yeah, Jackson exactly. Jr. is not taking. And so you've got to figure out a way to – scheme those guys into to decent shots and i think that's the point you're trying to make is that there don't seem to be scheming jaron jackson many open looks uh bain's great he's played great he's had plenty of open shots he's performed exactly how i expected desmond Bain to perform right but with the absence of john Morant, you've got to have you know marcus smart zaire williams who had a big preseason yeah, you've got to have guys like that that can also hit shots off. because if not, you know, on offense you're playing three on five. Yeah, I mean, Des had not he had 21 last night on 19 shots, and so he's still going to get some points. Not a very efficient night last night, seven for 19. But you got Zaire had eight, who's two for five. Uh, X had zero in in his yeah. 14 minutes, and like we've got to have guys that start stepping up. And that's what's just, it's sad. Like, especially looking back like two years ago, how good our bench was and how much we won when Ja was out because of guys like stones and BC and these guys that come off the bench and could score and keep, give you quality minutes. We still have that right now. You know, D Rose has yeah. come in and played good basketball for Derek Rose. who's 35, 36 years old. Um, but we just don't have those same guys walking through the, the door. And, and, you know, 
You're right. Back to what your original point was. We're going to regress to the mean. We're not going to shoot 25% from three every night. We're not going to keep playing at this historically bad tick of basketball. Right. Yes, we're the last team without a win, but one is coming. We've got Portland tomorrow night. That is a winnable basketball game. There's two no reason back, to back against Portland. There's no reason we couldn't win both of those games or go right. one and one because we're like I feel like we're at least a, on par, if not a little bit better than Portland. There's no reason yeah. we shouldn't win those. No, games. we should so win both of those games. Winning cures a lot of things, and so you find a way to get a couple wins together. All of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden you 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 put two, three, four games together, and you're right back in the thick of things. We've just got to get to Christmas. We're 0 and 5. We got 20 games left. We just got to get through those 20 games. Josh's not going to fix everything and all of a sudden we're going to be the 2 seed in the West. You know, I was watching our video on Instagram earlier today trying to get excited about the Grizz again cuz we were fired up just, you know, right. 3 short weeks ago. Right. Um we're, he's not going to be the cure all, but we'll be a lot better with John Moran at the helm. Oh yeah. Well, and the frustrating part for Grizzlies fans right now with the front office in particular is one they should have had a backup option for Stephen Adams. Right. Uh, you had to have a uh, you had to have a second center on Still the roster if you knew that there was a chance that it was going to need surgery to be repaired. Mm-hmm. Two is you look around the league and you say, well, you know who we could really use right now, DeAnthony Melton. We could use Kyle Anderson. We could use Tyus Jones. You know, you you can go through the list and like you you mentioned depth a minute ago, and that's where your depth is, and you didn't really replace it with anything. You replaced it with David Roddy and Zaire Williams, Jake and freaking Laravia, who is Jake Laravia, trash. Yeah. And so, and I know what's going on is when you've got Jaron's contract that kicks in, uh, Jaw con Jaw's contract and kicks in next year, Bain's contract kicks in next year, and you're not going. Wasn't ever going to be able to afford Kyle no. Anderson, Anthony Melton. You, they no. kind of tried to get what they could get for him while they could afford sure. him. Sure. It's just that they didn't replace him with serviceable wings. And the nope. wing position that we thought was stacked with, you know, you've got Zaire and and Bain and oh, you got Marcus Smart, Derrick Rose. They've just all been trash. Roddy's yeah. not been good. You know, none of them's been good. And so there's going to have to be a corner that's going to be turned here. And it can't be, you can't be seven and 18 when Jock comes yeah. back. Mm-hmm. And so the two games at Portland this weekend are big games. They've got to win both of them, in my opinion. And the reason why I think that is if you look at the Grizzlies schedule after these two away games at Portland is you've got the heat at home, the jazz at home at, the Clippers at the Lakers, the Spurs at home, and the Celtics at home. Of Who those just, games, I think you're favored in two of them. And if you if it goes chalk the way it's been going, you're looking easy at a two and ten start mm, to the year. Yeah, and that, especially that can't you can't dig yourself a too big of a no. hole before Jai gets back. I mean, the Clippers and the Lakers had an epic basketball game the other night where like all their superstars went for thirty plus. The Celtics just put 155 points on the Pacers, like right. just beat them like a drum. The Celtics there's look like the best team in basketball. There's some, and yeah, especially if Przingis can stay healthy and play at the tick that he's playing. But there's some, there's some tough basketball ahead of us. Right. We get our Dylan Brooks rematch later this month on the 22nd. But you're, I, you, we've got to find some. You got to win the games you should win. We need to beat Portland twice. We have to beat the Jazz. 
the Spurs are another team that you have to get because those Miami, even though Miami's in the, the worst team in the Eastern Conference through four mm-hmm. games, you're not going to beat the Clippers. You're not going to beat the Lakers. You hope to not lose by 50 to Boston and get embarrassed. There's some ugly basketball ahead of us. And we, like you said, yeah. we can't be seven and 18 when Jock comes back. Cause there's no digging out of that hole. You just hope that, that, that Biombo gives us that, that middle presence, those offensive rebounds that we need. Um, that gives us that, um, that rim protector that we're missing with Steven Adams. And like you said earlier, frees up Jaron Jackson Jr. to do unicorn things where he can get out in, in space and get out and play, you know, by his game of basketball. Because, and I've said on this podcast before, the Grizzlies are a team that's pace in space. You know, mm-hmm. it's new era NBA basketball. We're no longer stuck in the mud like the grit and grind days. Mm-hmm. We're trying to run and gun. And if you can't get rebounds and can't force missed shots and turnovers, you can't run. And what's happening in the first five games of this year is we're taking the ball out of the net every single every possession. Time. And you're forcing us into a half-court offense, and that's just not how we'll, we're built. Right. And I'll I'll keep saying it until I'm blue in the face or until it turns around, but this team has shooters on it. Yeah. They've got to make shots. This is – Luke Kennard did not forget how to shoot a basketball. This is not a 51st state situation where he got knocked in the head and forgot how to shoot. It's not that. Right. You know, uh, Baines held up his end, but like Kennard, Zaire, uh, Roddy, those guys have got to start knocking down shots. Uh, And and they're capable of doing it. Mm -hmm. And the other team, surprisingly or not, is capable of missing shots. <laughs> we haven't seen it so far. We haven't seen it yet. But, but they can. They can. It is possible. Not and everybody's going to shoot 50% from three on us every night. Yeah, <laughs> like, we're, not gonna fin- we're not going to complete the 82nd game of the year and look back and see that, you know, other teams are shooting 55% from three from us on the season. It's, it's just yeah. not going to happen. There's going to be a regression to the mean here. And there's going to have to be a progression to the mean here because you're not going to look back and say that yeah. after 82 games that the Grizzlies shot historic lows from three and 25%. Right. It's just not happening. No. But the offense is so reliant on the three, mm-hmm. and they will be until Ja gets back. And even after that, mm-hmm. that you will be able to look at box scores and tell if the Grizzlies win or not based on how many threes they make. Yeah, and, and you kind of nailed it earlier, and we'll kind of close up with this because I'm tired of talking about this this terrible basketball team it's like Taylor Jenkins has not been the same Taylor Jenkins as far as scheming as far as making adjustments this offense and again he's probably doing the best he can is what he has to work with this offense feels very slow very sluggish I'm pushed back on that because I just I haven't it it and Taylor Jenkins will tell you it comes from a defensive effort but they're getting open shots Rusty they are getting open shots. The, sh- the shot quality tells you you're uh, still got a losing record. But two of our three losses, including the one we just got beat by 24, we should have won by 13. But the if people you, that are getting, we're not getting the people we need to get shot shots. We're getting, uh, sure, I'll give you, we're giving Xavier Tillman shots. Like, we give Xavier Tillman shots all year long, we'll go 0-82. Like, we've got to start doing a better job of getting our shooters open. Like, they can scheme for it, but you've got to be able to run some pick plays in motion and get these guys open. You can't just count on X and David Roddy and Zaire to be your shooters when you've got guys like Dez and Jaron who can actually I, shoot. I agree with you, 
but there's not a coach that if if uh Xavier Tillman is a thirty three percent three point shooter, we're winning some of these games that we've lost. And that's well, what he, he is. It's not good. It, he does not ever gonna shoot for forty percent. But he should make one out of three on he most ain't done nights. It so far. But that's what I'm saying. If it will come back around because his shots he's taken are not dumb shots. This is not Dylan Brooks forcing shots. This is wide freaking open. And like, he's still take, missing. I know. I get it. But my point is it will come back around. If he, if he continues to take wide open shots, he will start making shots to get his average to what it is. This is a very small sample size, and it could not be a worse start Again. to a season. I'm not panicking. But, I'm not hitting the panic button. And I'd rather him get his big butt back underneath the basket and clear up room for other guys to take those threes. Like he, we need what we need him to be is to be a more Stephen Adams yeah, present see, under the goal, which he can't. He's not Stephen Adams, but we need more of that. Yeah, but he's not going to get under the goal either because that blocks driving lanes. He's he's got to be a screener and an effective screener, <sighs> and and that's where Stephen Adams lived. And that's not Xavier Tillman's game. Yeah. Again, if Xavier Tillman takes 10 shots, 10, 10 threes a game, I will tell you again, that's too many. But if Xavier, if Xavier Tillman hits, goes three of nine tomorrow, nobody's complaining. They're only complaining because he's going 0 for 4 or 0 for 5. Those, those shots, some of those shots are going to go down. People forget Xavier Tillman hit one of the most clutch shots in recent Grizzlies playoff history. Yeah. I mean, I'm a pro. We're, it's well-established. This is a pro Xavier Tillman podcast. Xavier and Tillman staying here. And it, our gripe is not Xavier Tillman. No, it's not Xavier okay. Tillman. This is X. I know you're a big fan of the podcast. It's nothing to do with you, Bubba. Keep doing you, man. But we need He's somebody else to make straight. those shots. He's catching strays as well. That's it. But, and I, I, yeah, I, I own that. Like, you know, we're bodying him for no reason. We're just frustrated yeah. with the overall product, and and it is what it is. Sorry, X. Yeah. So uh, those shot, the shots are going to start to fall. They're too good of looks. The offense yeah. is working. They're yeah. just not making anything. I don't know. I'm so done the only it. the only way it goes really bad is if we find out that these guys just aren't capable of making open shots. And if that's the case. We're doomed anyways. We're doomed anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's officially college baseball season if that's the case. But no, no, it's um, football season, brother. Well, for some of them. Speaking of football, we're gonna move right into go ahead and move into our our football talk. Look, Drew, both and I, uh, you and I both went three and three last week against the spread. At three and three, man, you're gambling. Um, yeah. that puts you at 25 and 22 for the year. That puts me at 23 and 24. So yeah. I'm right there in the thick of it. Uh, I got Tennessee, Georgia and South Carolina covering. You got Tennessee, Oregon and Louisville beating Duke. Um, and then we move into this week, you know, and boy did Louisville beat Duke. I mean, like a drum. Yeah. And I'd like write Oregon too. I was, when I was right, yeah. I was really right. You were really right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's it. I took Utah. I thought they'd be giant killers one more time. And, uh, buddy, I bet against the wrong Pac-12 team. Um, but you know, we'll kind of quickly touch on last week. You've already talked about your experience. Um, talk about Ole Miss a little bit. I'll touch on state. I don't want to dwell there and we'll preview this week's games. Yeah. So for Ole Miss, it was, uh, it was a nondescript game. It was a game against Vanderbilt in which they covered, uh, but they got up 26 to nothing and they just took their foot off the gas and it was not necessarily the players gave up. I don't think that at all, but play calling was very 
vanilla. It was, you've got Texas A&M next week. Get out of the game. Get out of the game healthy, and let's not put anything else on film that we don't have to. It was an easy win. It was a comfortable win. You got out to a 26 and nothing lead in the first quarter or, you know, first half of the second quarter, and you coasted. And I have no problem with that. Uh, I'm glad that, you know, I was in – uh, I was in person and, you know, a lot of people would say that they wish that they had uh, a competitive game to watch something more exciting, get the blood flowing. I was totally comfortable with just beating them and getting out the door and setting up a huge matchup. The biggest game we've had since LSU, uh, this weekend oh, yeah. at home against Texas A&M. Massive, massive game. Yeah. Uh, it was, a. Uh, it was a nice, comfortable win, and I'm I'm happy with how it went. Yeah. What about you? Me, I mean, you had a big game, you know, coming off a big, you know, your first SEC win of the year. You got to go play at just a terrible Auburn team, and uh, y'all won, right? All we did was make Peyton Thorne look like freaking Joe Namath out there, just freaking slinging the ball. He was one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in college football last week. After Auburn came in, averaging a measly 13 points a game. We suck, man. We played awful. That was bad football. I wisely chose to go to the Coastal Carolina football game and listen to it on the radio. It was awful. Like it was yeah. just it was a bad defensive effort. Whatever we did right defensively against Arkansas, we did none of that against a worse you Auburn know what, team. You know, we, what you we, did gave it, good. we gave it back to Matt Brock, is what we did. No, you played Arkansas. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you're that's what it was. It's just miserable, man. Like I don't know. Anyway, state loss. We got embarrassed. We play Kentucky this weekend, homecoming, and they've got my they've got my hopes up, man. They keep showing these clips of <laughs> it's gonna feel like Tennessee, like feels like '98, right? They keep showing yeah. Jamie Johnson and Wayne Mackin and these these great throwbacks to when we wore the 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 the, the MSU interlocking MSU that we're gonna wear this weekend against Kentucky. So at least we're gonna look good. We're gonna look good in our throwbacks. We got the throwback field. It looks just like it did back in the day, back in the for the bulk of the nineties when we were sponsored by not actually had Nike uniforms and look good before we went to that cheap Russell crap. Mm. Um but yeah, Kentucky this weekend. I'll I'll kind of highlight that real quick and I'll turn it back over to you for that big game with with Ole Miss and AM because it's got a lot more implications than our little homecoming game. But in the last 10 games, the home team is 5-0 and in this series. State is a five-point home underdog. Um, not much to say. I mean, Kentucky runs the ball pretty well. Uh, Ray Davis could embarrass us on Saturday. <clears throat> I hope that there's an ounce of pride left in this football team that we're going to put on that interlocking MSU. We're going to channel some of those, those games from back in the day. We're actually going to play some competitive football. You know, we're talking about this off air. This game really should have been the 11 a.m. Central, 12 o'clock noon kick, but they wisely buried it underneath Alabama and LSU. We've got the doubleheader this weekend, the CBS doubleheader, the Missouri-Georgia game, which I'm excited about. And we'll get into some previews of this here in a few minutes. And then LSU-Alabama is at 745, and we kick off at 730 Eastern. So only for about 15 minutes will we be the focus of national attention and that we're going to be buried by Alabama and LSU. Thank goodness, because this is awful. Like I said earlier, the only people going to be watching this game are going to be me and Aaron Ivey because we're the only that's ones it. that care about this game. And that's it. Everybody else going to be watching Alabama and LSU. Yeah, I kind of have mixed feelings about this game because really just because of the stats that you say that the home team has won each of the last 10 years and, you know, history matters ish you know uh but i just 
Kentucky got Kentucky had a rough game Saturday. They right. they played well enough to win against Tennessee, but they lost again, and it's just kind of one of those defeated weeks to where you're just like, you know, it's not that you lost, but it's that you lost to them. Mm-hmm. And so, are they going to be mad and come back and respond and beat Mississippi State like they should? They're going to see. Are they going to see red, you know, and and just yeah. take out all their frustrations of another loss against Tennessee out of, against Mississippi State, or will it go the other way and they they let Tennessee beat them twice? Yeah. If they let Tennessee beat them twice, they're going to have to really struggle in this game against Mississippi State because Mississippi State has no pulse offensively, they have no pulse defensively. They truly look like an inept football team. Mm-hmm. And We're very bad. Not me as a hater. You're nope. agreeing with me. I am a Mississippi State grad, yeah. alum, fan of the greatest university in the country, and we are awful. Yeah, they they look really bad and they play really bad. And Kentucky should. I mean, State looks at Kentucky the way that Ole Miss looks at Vanderbilt, and it's not really fair because if history shows us, it's a 50-50 game every time. But Mississippi State thinks they should beat Kentucky every year, just like Ole Miss thinks they should and beat we, Vanderbilt. And we did for a long time, but. Right. In but recent Mark years, has done wonderful. right, done yeah. great, great things the last nine years there. So they're winning a lot more football games. But you're absolutely right. This is but like usually this is a game State we can fans, win. For Mississippi State fans to see Kentucky coming into town and Vegas has got them as a what did you say four and a half point dog five, at home, five point five dog. point dog at home to Kentucky. That's as insulting as you can get. You know, yeah. the only thing worse is when uh, if Ole Miss continues playing really good football and on Thanksgiving night. Ole Miss shows up in the startful as a 12 point favorite. It'd be the only thing worse, you know? Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really bad football. Bad. We spent enough time talking about bad football. At least talking about the competitive game. I think this state or this Ole Miss A&M game has some potential to be competitive just because of the defense that A&M plays and can Ole Miss offense get rolling like they, they, like they have in some games or are they going to struggle early to get some in Yeah. So, uh, there's no doubt that Texas A&M has a bunch of blue chip players, especially on defense. They've probably got the defensive player of the year playing linebacker for them. Uh, he's a stud. Cooper kid. He's so yeah. good. Uh, but the stats on A&M, they have lost eight consecutive true road games. Lane has beat them the last two years. Once at home, once on the road. Uh, I've said on this podcast, and I've told friends, I will never respect Texas A&M until Jimbo's gone. I think that Jimbo has somehow... I mean, it's apparent that he's lost his touch. Uh, He can still recruit gangbusters, but it's like the offensive game has passed him by. He can't organize his team. He cannot put in... a uh, a good product on the field, despite having the players. I don't know if you saw Lane's post game. I mean, uh, press conference this week. He is the ultimate troll. It's so funny, and it's apparent that he hates Jimbo Fisher, but he masks it in such a way to just give give him the worst backhanded comments ever. You know, they ask him one time, like, you know, they ask him. He said, "Uh, so Jimbo's on the." Uh, you know, is reported to be on the hot seat. Do you think that there's a chance that that their players could rally around Jimbo? And Lane, in his wit, just said, you know, um, he was supposed to be on the hot seat last year, and that didn't turn out too well for him. 
and he kept on talking about how well the offense looks, how much better the offense looks, how more well-rounded and unpredictable the offense looks. And every time he he complimented Bob Petrino, he kept on saying, yeah, Bob Petrino's there. So so the offense looks a lot better. It's just a whole bunch of backhanded comments. And there's no doubt that Jimbo down the road has somewhere in the past has really gotten in his crawl. He kept talking about the collect- they have a huge collection of talent. Uh, they've got five stars all over the place, and they should be a. The, they've got an NFL roster over there, and their offense looks so much better now that Petrino is over there. And it, it just he could just digging at at Jimbo all day. There's no doubt that Lane wants to just beat the ever living snot out of Jimbo for some something in the past. Maybe it's just being him you know and Jimbo's not an easy guy to root for so at all I I think that to to the game itself uh the game is going to be won and lost up front it's how good you could protect Jackson Dart versus that off that defensive line of Texas A&M and can you get on them in a hurry uh this team has shown a lot of character this year they've shown that uh, I don't believe that Ole Miss is a top four team in the country. You know, I keep looking at standings and, you know, we're number 10 in the college football playoff, the initial college football playoff rankings that came out this week. Uh, there's a path for us to be in the top four that, you know, you keep holding out hope that, that things break right your way and you could backdoor your way into a playoff. And certainly that's a possibility, but I, I just don't think that this team is good enough to have that conversation yet uh you know if you can get through texas a&m and stun georgia then you know all bets are off uh but uh this team knows how to win they don't let things rattle you you know rusty you you like to bring up a lot how last year ended and how it spiraled there's been opportunities in every single game except for vanderbilt where Ole Miss last year you felt like that was what when you lost the game you know you you beat Arkansas by seven and there was an opportunity late where you're just like all right this is where it goes haywire and then Jackson Dart throws a bad pick with the opportunity to go up by uh three scores against Arkansas uh I mean against Auburn and you think well this is the time where you lose it or against LSU where this is the time where you lose it but every single week they get out there and they keep their heads about them they Cooler heads prevail, and it seems like the leadership and the the experience kind of takes over, and they've got a new mindset about them to where they don't they they truly a next play mentality. It's cliche as that sounds. They just don't let bad things get on top of them, and consistently every single game this year that's mattered, they found a way to win when it mattered. You know, they've the made that they- drive late. They've you know made that stop to the only to time get the they win. didn't was the Alabama game, but you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. And, I, and, I, Alabama, I, and I'm, I'm about to compliment Ole Miss. Uh-huh. So listeners, here we go. I've been impressed with how they've been finishing games. This is not the same team, team as last year. There was a lot of distractions about this time last yes. year. They started coming up. They haven't come up this year. And so this team looks focused. They look determined this is a dangerous team down the stretch. You know, there's a couple tough games ahead of them. A&M, Georgia's looming. There's some tough football games still to be played. But this team is poised to make a deep run in the SEC if some things break and go their way. 
Yeah, I mean, they've got they've got some moxie about them. It seems like this is a theme that is again true this year, as it has been in the last few years, is that Lane's offense always has all the. It's what people talk about, but it's the defense that keeps winning us games when it matters most. The offense this year has made the key drive to take the lead or extend the lead, but the defense has played good enough to win these games. And uh, with the exception of Alabama and Alabama in Alabama and, and Lane, as they coexist, could have a book written about it. It's it's different. It's a, it is a problem, and it's a chink in his armor against sure. Alabama. But he's shown that the offense this year has made enough plays, and the defense has been good enough to hold these inferior opponents, although close and peers of us, to be able to hold them at bay. And that's why, you know, if Ole Miss – does not kick the ball to Aeneas Williams or Aeneas uh, Smith. Smith. Aeneas Williams was the old. Uh, Aries Williams back. was. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Aries Williams at Mississippi State, but uh, Aeneas Smith is his Anias name. Welcome Smith. to the Two Bucks Sports Podcast. Yeah. We butcher your name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so if they don't make the mistake of, you know, kicking to him and letting him return a kickback or any kind of game breaking plays like that, I think Ole Miss wins. I think the first half is kind of a, a dogfight a little bit. I think it's going to be closed for a while. But if Ole Miss has shown you anything, it's that they've got an ability to in this at halftime to make some key adjustments and to uh, to to kind of run away from or to to keep these other teams an arm's length away, far enough away to where they they can't take the lead. But you know. Mm-hmm. And then you put them away late, and that's what I think will happen. If Ole Miss can can keep them keep it close, uh, have a lead or tied, or even be slightly behind at half, I trust that at half they'll make those key adjustments to go out and and win. You know, on offense for uh, Texas A&M, Max Johnson isn't scaring you. You know, you've played Jalen Daniels, you've played Jaden Milrow. You've Looks like Drew's having some technical technical difficulties and froze on me there. So uh, we'll keep this going until he can come back. But he's absolutely right. You know, we got Ole Miss. As good as they've been offensively, it makes it so much worse as a Mississippi State fan how we're setting football back by probably 40 years. Like the worst thing that happened to Mississippi State was the fact that the forward pass was invented back in the 50s because we've looked so bad and so it's frustrating to watch and you know call it watching little brother or whatever it's frustrating to watch us watch old miss be so dynamic and such a good playmaker this year playmakers like across the board their offense is dynamic pumping out points as a state fan it's frustrating because we're falling further and further behind that but if old miss can get their stuff together this weekend like drew said they play mistake-free football they get it to where we're back, you know, they keep the game, keep the gas pedal down. This game shouldn't be close in the second half. As close as it might be in the first half, it shouldn't be in the second half. Welcome back, sir. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I'm not going to get on this podcast and say that, that Ole Miss should blow out Texas A&M. I don't think this, the history of this game is that it's close. However, you know, I do believe Ole Miss is better. I do believe that uh, at quarterback position, we're better. At running back position, we're better. At the head coaching position, we're better. 
there's just no reason why I can think that Ole Miss should lose this game. But I do know that things get a little squirrely. And yeah, so well, I leave I, I do expect a dogfight. I'm never gonna expect a blowout, you know. As as you've said on this podcast, we don't bet on chaos in this podcast. So no. we're gonna we're gonna expect a, a, a dog fight and a good football game. Um but that'll kind of lead us into the rest of our predictions for this coming week. We've got five games that we're going to bet on this week. Again, we both went three and three last week against the spread. So we'll put this on Instagram. Definitely forgot last week. I, had a, I was tired Saturday morning, completely skipped my mind. But we'll get those posted this week so our, our fans can vote on who they think is going to win the football games. But, Drew, we'll start with that late night Saturday night tick. Um, we've got LSU going to Tuscaloosa playing Alabama. Alabama's a three-point home favorite, which that line is scary. Uh, what do you think? you think the Tigers have got enough to knock off Alabama and Tuscaloosa, or do they continue their march to the SEC championship game? You know, it's tricky. Uh, I do think that this will be the biggest test that Alabama's had so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think that Jaden Daniels has has been a lot better. I think that he can basically zip up the Heisman race, the Heisman Trophy, with a win. Uh, where's this game at again? It's in Tuscaloosa. So with a game on the road, a win on the road against Alabama to beat him for a second time in a row, I believe that would zip up the Heisman talk. You know, there's not a really a front runner this year, not since. Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams kind of collapsed on himself. Yeah. Um, I don't – what's the line? Uh, three. Three. Uh, Alabama minus three. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think I'm going to take LSU here. Um, Ooh. I think that Jane Daniels – if you look, they've uh, – at every LSU broadcast, if you've, if you've watched any LSU this year – uh, they have put up the Jaden Daniels numbers against the historic, what I believe is the best quarterback season of all time, being Joe Burrow's uh, mm-hmm. 2019 season. Heisman National Championship at LSU. And he is step for step with Joe Burrow in all passing categories. He's got, I think, three interceptions on the year. He has just been absolutely outstanding. The question in this game is the qu- same question that LSU has had in every single game is can they stop anybody? Yeah. And that's going to be the challenge. If you can make Alabama one-dimensional, then stops become easier. Yeah. If you if you know that you're going to be able to – if you can stop uh, Jalen Milrose rushing, then, you you know, if that's all you've got to worry about, then it becomes easier, obviously. Right. But uh, that's going to be the key. And yeah. so I think that LSU does it. Um, I don't – I, I'm still a believer. In, I'm a believer in Jalen Daniels. I'm, I'm a believer uh, in the coach there at LSU, whose name that I just blanked on. Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Um, yeah, I think LSU covers. All right. Um, I'm taking Alabama. LSU, Alabama struggles stopping mobile quarterbacks, but LSU struggles stopping anybody. And I think that Alabama with Jace McClellan, Milrow can control the football game. They can control the tempo. They can keep the football. They can lean on LSU in that second half and do what Alabama does best. I think it's close at halftime, 10 to 7, 7, 6, something like that. And then Alabama just leans on LSU for two quarters and pulls away and, and wins covering at home. Next up is the earlier CBS game. We've got Missouri playing at Georgia. Georgia's a 15 home 15-point home favorite. 
I don't think that Georgia is a 15-point better football team than Missouri. I don't know that Missouri can beat Georgia, but I'm taking the Tigers to cover on the road. Missouri's got one of the best wide receiver duos in the country. Their quarterback's playing at a very high level. Their defense is also playing very well. They are a about a minute and a half meltdown against LSU away from coming into this game undefeated, completely unblemished. They almost beat Georgia last year. It took a Brock Bowers touchdown in the final two minutes to win that football game in Columbia. And Georgia ain't got Brock Bowers. They've not looked the part at all this year. This is going to be a tough home test, and so I'm going to take the Tigers to cover against Georgia. I think that Georgia beats the ever-living crap out of them. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I think for two reasons. Uh, Georgia's played with their food all year long, but the college football playoff committee jumped them with Ohio State this year. Cobra Smart, you've heard the talks he gives them, and I don't think th- – I've told on this podcast before, emotions only get you through the first quarter, yeah. in my opinion. But this is a team that can turn it on when they want to. They beat this not out of Florida. They In Kentucky. Yeah, in Kentucky. They've turned it on when they want to. And I believe that they're going to be motivated this week to absolutely crush Missouri. They've got them at home, 2.30, CBS – Everybody wants to talk about Missouri and how good of a story they've been. The college football playoff committee inexplicably jumped them with Ohio State. It's one thing if you pick Michigan. I mean, Michigan's killed everybody. Uh, But to jump them with Ohio State, who hasn't got a good win, um, I mean, other than Notre Dame, which they should have lost. Right, 100%. Penn State, which they blew Penn State out of the water. And so uh, I think that they are mad. I yeah. think that they're just going to absolutely kill them. Uh, Lad McConkney is like healthy again. They do are down Brock Bowers. I get that. He is the best pass catcher in college football, but he ain't the only weapon. Weapon they've got. You're yeah. not wrong. They got yeah. some running backs in there that are pretty good. Their, so. their quarterback is settled in. He actually looks good. You know, he he's not Joe Burrow by any means. He's not Jaden Daniels, mm-hmm. but he's good. He's solid. And he can get it to his weapons. And I think they're go. just going to beat the ever-living dog crap out of Missouri this week. There you go. You, I would, I'll take your 15 and a half or 15, whatever it is. But I think they beat them by 24. Wow. Yeah, I think they just – I think <laughs> they take out all their frustrations. And I hope that they expend all the energy that they've got. <laughs> there it is. Because we're, com- we're coming to Athens next week. That's why. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. I don't think Missouri loses by more than 15, but I don't think they win. Yeah. Next up, we got a battle of the mids. And the only reason it's on here is an SEC game, and it should be a competitive one. We've got Arkansas playing at Florida. Florida's a four-and-a-half-point home favorite, and Florida doesn't lose at home this year. They've played much better at home. Graham Mertz has played a lot better at home. But Florida's a four-and-a-half-point home favorite. Yeah, uh, Florida. Uh, give me Florida. I don't like Florida, but I hate Arkansas. They I are, trust them way they, more. They are, they've put up three points against Mississippi State at home. Mm-hmm. And you want me to – you're going to give me, you know. And Sam Pittman after the game basically said, we didn't know what we were doing out there. Yeah, and Sam Pittman is going to be fired. Those, mm-hmm. those talks are going on. There's no doubt at week 10 here that – Arkansas players are hearing from other teams if they're any good at all. Yep. Like you're going to have a new coach there next week. It's, I mean, next year, uh, it, with a bad loss against Florida, you may have an interim coach in there next week. 
Yeah. Uh, those talks are having amongst being had amongst players. They're owing however many SEC games they've played, including yeah. a seven to three loss at home to Mississippi State, who has one SEC win now. That one. And so I told you at that game, the the Arkansas Mississippi State game, that the loser would go zero and eight in the SEC, and it's because at that point that was your shot to have a respectable year. You play four non-conference games, you got to win two SEC games, and neither of those teams were going to win two SEC games to give them anything to look forward to. And by anything, I mean like a a Birmingham Bowl, yeah. a Hawaii Bowl, you know. Liberty Bowl. Nothing to look forward to without winning that game. And Arkansas lost it. I think they go 0-8 in the SEC. I think they lose handedly on the road at Gainesville this week. Yeah, I agree. We've already talked about these last two, so we'll be quick with them. We've already kind of given our picks for the week, but I am taking Ole Miss to cover at home three points. I think Ole Miss is a better football team than A&M. I think this is probably somewhere in like a 10 to 12-point football game. I think Ole Miss, as I said earlier, if they can keep their foot on the gas, will kind of pull away from A&M in the second half. I think Ole Miss gets a big home win before they hit the road to go to Athens next week. Yeah, this line scares me because if Ole Miss is as good as I think Ole Miss is, at home, this should be a six and a half, seven point line. Mm-hmm. If and so to me, it screams that Vegas is begging people to take Ole Miss, which scares me. Uh, I had the same feeling when Ole Miss played Alabama. However, as I laid out earlier, Ole Miss has got the better quarterback. They've got the better running back. They've got uh, the better coach. They're playing at home. Uh, I wish it was a night game, but either way, it's going to be a big game. I've got the you know, I've got the I'm getting the vibes that even despite it being an 11 o'clock game, that place is going to be as rowdy as possible uh, there in the vault Saturday at 11 o'clock. I think Ole Miss wins because they're better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they win. I think they cover. Like you said, I think this game should have been on a six and a half, seven, seven and a half point line. Yeah, uh, I would but, still but, take Ole Miss. Yeah, and uh, I would I would hesitate a little bit at that point. But I do think that Ole Miss is seven points better than Texas yeah. A&M, which makes it a no-brainer for me to take the Rebels yep. minus the points. Yep. And then lastly, we got another mid-off. We got Kentucky at Mississippi State. Kentucky is a five-point road favorite. I'm taking my dogs. Again, the home team is 5-0 and in the last 10. As bad as we looked against Auburn, as bad as we looked against Arkansas, history matters in this series. I'm mostly picking out of desperation. Dear God, please let us win this football game in the 98 throwbacks, the interlocking MSU. I'm taking my dogs at home. Don't make me sad. Yeah. I, uh, history is a thing that I don't really subscribe to too much. I think it is important for the context for fans. However, uh, I just, you know, Ole Miss had not beat Auburn in back to back years since the fifties. Well, they did that this year. They're, Streaks were broken like that all the time. There was a brand new uh, lowest over-under score of all time two weeks ago, and then it was broke again the next week. Uh, at Once upon a time, a few years back, uh, Melvin Gordon broke Barry Sanders' single-game rushing record that had been standing for 20 years, only to have Samaje Piran from Oklahoma <laughs> beat it the next week. Like, right. History is history, and it can change in a in a minute. It does give me a little pause if I thought the teams that were if I thought the two teams were virtually equal, I would side with the home team and history, uh, recent history. 
but I just don't think Mississippi State is any good at all. I think yeah. I'm I'm low on Kentucky, but Kentucky is, if anything, is scrappy. I don't get the feeling that State is scrappy. I feel like yeah. they're just bad and they're they're just they are what they are and they are realizing it. That game against yeah. Auburn. 11 o'clock on the plains could not have been less inspiring of an effort yeah. in the first half. You come out there on somebody else's turf in a, another game that record-wise tells you that you've got a shot. And to go down that big that early, what was it, like 23-3 to three or 24-3 mm-hmm. at some point? Yep. Uh, and at that point, uh, Hugh Freeze even admitted, it's like, yeah, uh, I didn't go for y'all think I didn't go for the jugular, but they weren't scoring. So the punt was being aggressive, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and that's the team that Mississippi state's got this year. Unfortunately, uh, they had, they may have had a pulse with Will Rogers in this game. They're not going to have it with the mm-hmm. academic weapon as mm-hmm. you call it. Uh, yeah. I think, I think Kentucky cruises, I think in the third quarter, people are leaving that game. Yeah. Um, you might be right. The anyway, best, sir, the best it would seat serve in the house a purpose. will be in the junction. I'll, be, yeah. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, it'll serve a purpose. If we yeah. lose, it'll serve a purpose. So. And I'm gonna I'm gonna just hit that point home again one more time. If any Mississippi State fan is holding on to an Egg Bowl win as a successful season and should give um, your coach another year, then you think way too much of this rivalry. It's not about the Egg Bowl. No. This dude, been, the Zach Barnett, needs so to go. Bad this year. Needs you to cannot go. make Kevin a Barber reaction. Needs to go. You cannot make a reactionary decision on an egg bowl win this year. Yeah. Uh, and I'll tell you the same thing. If Mississippi, if if Jackson Dart rolls his ankle and misses the second half, and Quinshawn Judkins blows out a knee, and Ole Miss loses in the egg bowl, if you want to keep, if any Mississippi State fan wants to keep Zach Arnett because of an egg bowl win. Mm. Get out. You prove your little brother, and this means way too much because you do not have Get the out. big picture in mind. Get out! It's as I said earlier. It's such a bad. It's just a bad product. And like yeah, I he, said he clearly in over his head. We rushed him into the head coaching position. It's Matt Luke all over again. It's yeah. awful. It's awful. And so. I said the same thing when Ole Miss got emotional over mm-hmm. Matt Luke's interim season when they won the Egg Bowl and hired him. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State did the same thing when Ole Miss hired Lane Kiffin, and then two weeks after the season ended. They decided to fire. There was more layers to it, but that was the the, the nail in the casket. But anyway, that's enough about Mississippi State. We're done with that. Um, We do this every week. Mississippi. I do think that Kentucky beats Mississippi State. Uh, Yeah, I got that. So we've got (laughs) our first college football playoff. We've been doing our top four every week. Do you agree with the top four, um, or is yours a little bit different? No, uh, it's probably the teams I would have had. Uh, mm-hmm. However, Same. I don't think that Ohio State has done anything to convince me. It's kind of like the whole uh, uh, video review process. It's like it's got to be indisputable evidence to jump mm-hmm. Georgia, and I don't think Ohio State has done that. I, don't I do. Th- I would have had uh, probably had uh, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Oregon would probably been my fourth team. Uh, that's probably what I would do for my my four right now. Uh, now that we're actually getting into it, I'm not going to be as cute with it. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, the the red flags were up with Oklahoma going into this game against uh, on the road against Kansas last week with them struggling against UCF the week before. Uh, it turned out to be a total frauds and they got 
dropped yeah. like they should have. They did. Um, the cream I, rises to the top, as you said. Shout out Macho Man. I agree. My teams would be the same, maybe a little bit different order. Um, I would go Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Ohio State would be my top four, just because Florida State's still one of the best teams in the country, I think. And um, Michigan right now, while they still have their head coach and their coaching staff intact, is the one of the better you teams know, in the country. It's a Florida wild State saga. Florida State slipped my mind just a minute ago, and I've been they've been on my list all year. I would drop. I, I, I will balk. I will change my tune. Yeah. I will balk on that. Yeah. And, and I would actually put, oh, man. Florida, you got Florida State, you got Washington. You said Oregon. No, but. I said Oregon, mm-hmm. and I stand by Oregon. Uh, and uh, the battle would be for the four spot between Ohio State and Oregon. Mm. Because I do believe that Florida State, uh, Florida State, Georgia, and Michigan are the top three teams in the league. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. Uh, and, I think, then, and, and we'll get that settled in a couple of weeks when Michigan and Ohio State play. Um, Florida State and Georgia should both arrive in this undefeated. Um, and we'll go from there. We'll see how the season kind of wraps up. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, this is a big weekend of football. Uh, you're going to get a big weekend this weekend and a big weekend next weekend. And everybody's going to take off the week before Thanksgiving and play yeah. Southern Miss and Louisiana Monroe. Right. Before we get to rivalry week. Yeah. But uh, enjoy this. Football ahead of us. Yeah. Yeah. We're at week 10 here. Uh, each of our teams have played eight games and uh, we are two thirds of the way through the season. And so really start cherishing these last few weeks here, because before you know it, it's going to be gone. It's going to be gone. And so enjoy it while it lasts. Speaking of enjoy this podcast while it lasts. Uncle Buck, you got anything else you want to talk about? No, that's it. Uh, I do want to put it on people's radar. Uh, College basketball tips off next week. Uh, It's about two months of nothing games. Uh, But for the first time since Marshall Henderson, I'm kind of looking forward to an Ole Miss basketball season. There's a lot of things to be excited about, a lot of players that's come in that's uh, to be excited about. And I know Mississippi State had a a good year the last couple years. Excited about Chris Jans as well. We will mention it on the pod. We've got a couple of injuries that are going to slow us down a little bit, namely Tolu Smith, who is one of the top 35 players uh, in the country. Uh, but we'll get both of those guys back by SEC ball, so we'll miss the first part of the season. So still a lot to be excited about for Mississippi State basketball, if you're a fan. It's going to, not going to be very watchable basketball because no. we're going to get in the mud. We're going to win games 54 to 50. But it's going to be, if you're a state fan, there's some good basketball ahead of the us. The Iowa of college basketball. <laughs> That's what it. State is. We're going to defend you when you get off the bus, and we ain't going to score a whole bunch. So, so. R.I.P. to old boy oh, fans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And R.I.P. to the legend Bob Knight. Bobby Knight passed away this week. Uh, former basketball uh, head basketball coach, Indiana, famous for throwing a chair across the court. Um, R.I.P. to Bobby Knight. Yeah, Bobby Knight Ranger. That's, That's it. our last Parks and Rec shout out for the That's day. That's it. That's it. <laughs> so. uh, but let's put a bow on this. It's Heinz 57 episode. I meant to mention that earlier, but really the only names I can come up with are NFL Hall of Famer Olin Krutz, who was the center yeah, for the Bears. Could see. <laughs> and then Bart Can't Wait Scott for the New York Jets uh, with one of the greatest interviews of all time with Sal Palantonio. Um, but we'll put a bow on this Heinz 57 episode. Drew, uh, tell them where they can find us at. 
Yeah, Rusty, you can find this here podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast or whatever your preferred method is. Search the number two Buck Sports Podcast there. Subscribe to us. Give us a comment. Uh, give us a little thumbs up in there. We'd greatly appreciate it. Any comments that come with a five-star review, we will read them here yep. on the air. Uh, you can also find us on our Instagram. Uh, it's where we do most of our posting, most of our interaction. It's at the number two Buck Sports Podcast. And if you want to see our beautiful faces here on a wow. later than usual sleepy night here on a Thursday night, uh, if you can watch us live on our YouTube channel at the number two Buck Sports Podcast. Uh, anything else I need to add? If not, that'll do it for me and that'll do it for us tonight, Rusty. Yes, sir. Guys, thank y'all again for being here. We'll see y'all next week. See you guys.